Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Mitch. Oh yeah, baby. I am the new Greg Rubel. Thanks, Kalani. We love Dirk Mitch Harper. Welcome on in Cougar Tracks Podcast, powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your BYU insider, Mitch Harper. Coming to you from Muggy, Overcast, Tampa, Florida, the site of BYU football's 2022 season opener against the USF Bulls coming up on Saturday, September 3rd. I'm here in Tampa, and goodness gracious, was it a chore getting here. Whew, it was something else getting here to Tampa, Florida, I must say. We'll talk about the game coming up here on the podcast. We'll talk matchups, items that I'm looking for in the contest, and a whole lot more is, again, coming to you from Tampa. But it was a chore to get here. The weather, it was monsoon-like here in Tampa on Thursday. So I initially had to touch down in Austin, Texas for a layover. Yeah, I was in SEC country. Used to be Big 12 country. I was down there in Austin watching a little bit of football, then hopped on a plane and, and got down here to Tampa. But the rain was causing a little bit of a delay, but it's okay now. The Tampa airport, not my favorite either. Uh, gosh, it was like these long, drawn-out escalators, and you had to take this tram, this monorail, this and that. Ugh, it's kind of a headache. Anyway, I'm not going to bore you with my travels. I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Don't get it twisted. But it's just at the same time, it's like I, I kind of like, I know Salt Lake gets a bad rap for the whole B-gate, the long walk, but, man, Salt Lake Airport's easy. Anyone that comes out to, to Salt Lake, you got an easy airport to navigate. Tampa Airport, I, th- I, think, I thought it was a headache. I was just like, this is confusing, and this is, everyone's just tired and worn down. And, and then I just get outside, and I just start feeling that, that humidity, that heat, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. How, how in the world is BYU going to be able to play through this? It's a different heat down here, man. You know, Provo and Salt Lakes had record-setting heat this summer, 100-degree days, day after day after day. I mean, what, it's been like 30 days this summer of triple digits? But here in Tampa, the temperature is not as high as 100 degrees, but it sure feels like it with that humidity and how muggy it is down here when you factor in the rain. And 
I think the elements are going to play a role in this game coming up on Saturday. Again, kickoff for BYU and USF as the season is here. The long wait is finally over. BYU, USF, season is upon us. Kickoff is set for 2 p.m. Mountain Time. The extended pregame gets going here on KSL News Radio at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. 10 a.m. Mountain Time, I'll be here on t- on the radio from Tampa with Matt Biamonte from Tampa. And we'll be breaking it down for BYU and USF. But I got to think the elements are going to play some sort of role in this matchup. At, I mean, whether it's a little bit of rain, some thunderstorms, maybe a lightning, I don't know. But it's going to be some sort of factor into this game. But Tampa's nice. So far, not too bad. Haven't really got out on the outskirts much. Haven't drove around much. i got to get over to the stadium here shortly. But I'm enjoying my stay thus far here in Tampa, Florida. And if BYU is going to enjoy their stay, they're going to need to come out of here with a win. And I, I honestly think, too, not only do they need to win, they need to win a certain way. Look, I get it. Any coach would tell you, just win. I'd rather learn lessons, hard lessons in a win than a loss. I get that. But if BYU comes out of this game with only a three-point victory or something like that, that will kind of feel on the surface and to the national pundits in college football like a little bit of, hmm, what just happened there? What, was that a loss? Is this team not as good as we thought? they got to make a statement. You know, BYU's got to come out in this game they got to be effective, efficient, crisp, no confusion, no head-scratching penalties. BYU's been good about not penalizing itself much the last two years. They haven't coughed up the football much the last two years. Things like that got to continue. If BYU wants to be another 10-win team, the blueprint is there. Limit the penalties, limit the turnovers, and find a way to get some more takeaways this year. I mean, that's the thing that's interesting, too, is that last year, BYU was a team that, you know, maybe 1.5 takeaways per game. Imagine if that goes up to two, two and a half takeaways a game. BYU suddenly, you know, contending for, you know, another 10, 11 win season again, I would believe, with all this returning experience coming back. USF is tricky, though, because there's so much unknowns to this team. Travis Trickett, new offensive coordinator. Bob Shoup, defensive coordinator. They got Chad Morris as an offensive analyst. What's the identity going to look like? What are they going to do? Are they going to bring a lot of tempo? You know, Bob Shoup, the defensive coordinator, he once had the number one defense in college football in 2018 at Mississippi State. So there's a track record of success on Jeff Scott's staff now. Whereas before, there wasn't many individuals that believed they could get it done. They've had the experience. These guys are a little bit of retreads. They're not the coaches that are the, the rising stars in college football, per se. They're, they're kind of taking step backs or trying to re, re-energize their careers a, t- a tick. But they've got experience, and they also add Chad Morris as an offensive analyst. BYU, though, I think one of the big things that I'm curious to see how BYU comes out offensively I think they need to take a few shots down the field early in this game. Make it make a statement that they're going to stretch the field from the get-go. You know, Gunnar Romney and Puka Nakua, their status is 
questionable going into this game. We'll see what ends up happening with them. You know, Kalani Satake's kept that close to the vest. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Gunnar Romney, uh, his conversation with Jake and Ben earlier this week, he said he was hopeful to play. He said it's going to be a game-by-game deal. It's a health situation. But again, we just didn't see Pukunakua much in fall camp, and that's why I asked the question. The severity of any sort of injury, not sure. I, I don't know if there's anything significant about it with, with Pukunakua. It could just be a nonchalant thing, but once again, had it been a silly question to even ask, Kalani could have just said, Mitch, he's playing. There's no issues there. What, what are you even talking about? But the fact that he really was kind of like, yeah, we're, we're feeling good that they're going to play kind of left the door open as to like what's their status going to be. And that's where there's some questions about Puka and, and more so Gunnar Romney as well. But I do think BYU's wide receiver unit should be okay even if Puka and Gunner are limited. You know, keep in mind, last year, BYU played Arizona and Puka was a little bit banged up dealing with the hamstring injury. BYU erred on the side of caution got through that game, was able to get a victory and get him ready for the Utah game in Week 2. Do you take a similar approach here, especially with the field conditions, the you know potential for rain and things like that? Maybe. Maybe that factors into the conversation. We'll see. It would be nice, though, to have Gunner and Pook. I mean, these guys, they're always getting nicked up. they they, they got to be healthy. they got to be available on the field because if they're available and healthy on the field, they're going to be outstanding players for BYU this year. But backups to Puka and Gunner, Keanu Hill, Chase Roberts, Cody Epps. You know, Chase Roberts, I think, is due and ready. If if called upon, he's going to be ready to go. And I think he's put in a ton of work this offseason to position himself for if the moment arrives where he has to be a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two, he's going to be ready to hit the ground running. Keanu Hill as well. I mean, I had a conversation with Keanu this week, and you'll hear that here on the podcast today. Keanu's ready for a bigger workload this year. He's always had that confidence. He's always had that uh, thought that he could be one of the top receivers in the program, and I think he's going to be stepping up into a bigger role. Same with Braden Cosper as well. Uh, Braden Cosper is another guy. So BYU's got options. It's not like it's dire straits for BYU when it comes to the receiver room if Gunner and Puka are not available. But Gunner and Puka were guys that had nine catches for 220-something yards last year against the Bulls. But I think that BYU also needs to establish the ground attack. Chris Brooks, you know, Aaron Roderick said this week that he wants him to be an every-down feature back, a workload back in this offense in the mode of a Tyler Algier. Could he be Tyler Algier? That's a tall order. But man, I think Chris Brooks has endless ability, and I think there's no reason to think that Chris Brooks, with this offensive line in front of him, and the skill, talent, and the quarterback next to him as well, there's a lot of people that have to be accounted for in BYU's offense. That should open things up for Chris Brooks to have success. I also think, too, in this game, how will BYU utilize Mason Wake? Mason Wake is an intriguing piece to this BYU offense. He's one of the better players in the offense, according to Aaron Roderick. Uh, He's listed at tight end on the depth chart, but he could play fullback. He could do a lot of different things for BYU on this team. Does he become more of a traditional tight end? You know, Dallin Holker got a little bit nicked up in fall camp with the right knee. Where 
how does could Wake you know get more playing time as a traditional tight end? I'm curious to see that coming up on Saturday as well. I also want to see the offensive line have a lot of success uh, against USF because they're getting all this praise, they're getting all this hype. You got to live up to it, and you're going up against a USF defensive line that's pretty much overhauled. You got Rashawn Yates; he's a name to keep an eye on. Number ninety-one. Jatorian Hansford, a senior transfer from Missouri, a grad transfer. Keep an eye on him. A lot of these personnel guys from USF have been not only transfers, they're not like Gary Bohannon where they came in the May, in May or the summer or springtime. They've been around since January. So they've gone through the winter conditioning. They've gone through the entire calendar year with USF. They almost feel like they're entrenched in that USF program at, at, at uh, quite a bit this year. So they feel a little bit of confidence of that continuity, even though it's still only this calendar year. They've been around the block, and BYU has got to set the tone in the trenches, offensive line especially. And let's see some pancakes. Let's see some guys getting put down into the ground where they are just finishing those blocks. They got some pancakes. I want to see that potentially with this BYU offensive line. Defensive line, same thing. You heard it from Tyler Batty on the show. They want to make opponents feel their presence every single game. One of the challenges, I think, for BYU in this contest is to not play down to the opponent. USF is tricky from the logistics standpoint. If this was game four, I don't think any of us are batting an eye about this game. I think you would know what it's going to be. You would know BYU would be a two-touchdown favorite. You'd have some intel on USF. You'd know what to expect. The only thing that makes USF tricky is the unknowns of a game one, the humidity, the elements, the potential weather. That's what's adding this the, the, the intrigue. And just, again, a game one. They're weird. These games are just strange. But BYU needs to come out and not play down to their competition. Even though it's a game one, show up, act like you're a preseason top 25 team, take care of business, and get it done with a sound victory, a two-possession victory. Because if you come away from Tampa, again, with a three-point win, you might fall out of the top 25 pole. It's very possible. USF's a program that doesn't have much respect or any cachet or anything. I mean, this is a team that's won three games over the last two years. They're trending up, yes. But still, they are not... This is not a team that should go blow for blow with one of the most experienced teams in college football when you really kind of size it up. If this was not a game one, this is a game where BYU, I think, would feel they could win by three touchdowns. But game ones are always dicey. And if BYU came out and won convincingly, that would be quite a statement. I think that would be an impressive uh, moment for BYU, this team, their players, and the, and the staff to come out of here with a sound victory over USF where the, the game was never in doubt. Because everyone knows the lack of success BYU's had here in Florida. 
one and eight all time. They've never had much success. The only win was in the 2020 Boca Raton Bowl against UCF. It was kind of depleted. They had some COVID issues. They had some guys leave. This would be a, a nice, just sound victory to set the table for a massive game in week two between BYU and Baylor. Other players to keep an eye on, you know, we talk a lot about the wide receivers for BYU. South Florida's got some new personnel in the secondary as well. Amaris Brown from Kansas State, Christian Williams from Miami, and then also keep an eye on Daquan Evans, too, a five foot eleven, 188-pound cornerback. Uh, those are some of the key defensive back personnel that will defend BYU's wide receivers, whoever they end up being, coming up on Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. here at Raymond James Stadium. That's another one of the cool things I like, too, about this game is that it's in an NFL venue. Excited to hop over there to the Ray J and see that stadium up close and in person. I mean, you know, this is where Tom Brady He's winning Super Bowls. I mean, he he's having his he's closing out his career as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. It should have been as a Las Vegas Raider. Gosh, Dana White was going to get that done. He's going to get Tom Brady to to Vegas. But it's cool to play in, a, in an NFL venue. I think that's going to be a fun element too with this game. Uh, something to keep in mind as well. Some people have asked me, will this USF series be done? After this year, it will not. So they, these two teams were going to play in 2023. Obviously, with BYU going to the Big 12, they had to push that back. That's now going to be in 2026, October 17th, 2026. USF will return the favor to go to Provo for the fourth and final game in the series between these two programs. Overall, though, BYU pretty healthy on the health front besides the two key wide receivers. Defensive personnel is in great shape, great condition. Keenan Peely is better than ever he's been. I think Peely's due for a huge game. I think he's going to be a guy that's racking up the the, the tackles because I think that USF's going to look to run the football early. I think they want to get Jaron Mangum established in this game. You know, Mangum was a guy that had a lot of success in that second half against BYU. He's the running back. For the Bulls, number zero, former Colorado transfer. They did have Kelly Joyner, another running back, but he's been dealing with an injury he, that he suffered in fall camp. He's about you know out for about five to six weeks. So that's a pretty notable loss for the Bulls to not have Joyner available, but Mangum's still a, a potential all-AAC performer this season. So BYU's got a tall task to, to try to stop the run you know, and prove that they're physicality and their presence has been elevated this year, but I think Keenan Peely, that'll lend itself to a lot of tackles for him, a lot of tackles for Ben Bywater as well. Uh, Secondary's in good spot. You know, I think you're going to look at BYU and have D'Lo Mandel, Caleb Hayes is the top two corners, and then have, you know, Gabe Judy Lally as that third. Jacob Robinson, uh, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up most of the game. Will it be at nickel? Will it be at cornerback? If he's at cornerback, then he's that fourth guy, and he's going to get a lot of time at that position. But you could also see Jacob Boren there as well, too. Boren, one of the fastest guys on the team, he could be playing quite a bit in this game for BYU. Another guy that I think uh, will get some time and will play quite a bit and is a name that not many people realize or or know much about. I've talked about him uh, a little bit here on the show is Kavika Gagne. He's going to be a guy that I think plays... Uh, a lot this season, honestly. I think that Gagne 
will be someone that could have the potential to uh, get a good number of tackles as well in this game against USF. The special teams unit, by all accounts, is in good shape too. Uh, you know, Jake Oldroyd, there's been some questions about his lower back. You know, I talked with Ed Lamb at Media Day on KSL News Radio, and he said it's kind of an ongoing deal that it'll be something that's examined each and every game. By all accounts, Oldroyd uh, should be ready to go for this game against the Bulls, and he will be starting and playing for BYU in this one too, along with Ryan Rico at Punter. So, Health-wise, BYU is in pretty good shape. Uh, the plan that they incorporated in fall camp has worked out nicely. You just hope now that it can work out for Gunnar Romney and Puka Nakua as they head in to this season opener. As the season now is finally here, and man, it's been a long wait. Uh, you know, it's felt like it was just yesterday, Shreveport happened, but at the same time, it feels like there's been more talking, more commentary more content than ever before in the lead up to a season so I'm ready to actually just break down a game for once I'm gonna say that BYU as I look at the 2022 schedule I think BYU ends up nine and three this year I think the Cougars are ending up nine and three and I think that the losses will come to Oregon to Notre Dame and to Boise State BYU has the chance this year to put together a special year. They do. They, they have the, the personnel. They have the coaching experience. They have the continuity in key positions and the staff to put together a 11-win season. They could do it. They really could. I mean, there, there is no one on BYU's schedule that you look at and say, oh, BYU can't hang with them. There's no one. BYU can hang with anyone that they play this season. I think, though, that I still factor in, you know, injuries could happen, and I hate to just say that as a reason why someone's going to lose. But I still think that there's a game or two that we're looking we're looking at on this schedule, and we're not thinking, BYU might just lay an egg. Like last year against Boise State, BYU laid an egg. You don't fumble the ball twice, you win that game. And it's an 11-win season. There's some game, because I look at this schedule, the quality of the opponent is just far better than what it's been in previous years, week in and week out. Utah State, they kind of struggled against UConn in week zero, but I still think Utah State, the the emotion factor will be high in that game. They're going to want to knock off BYU at all costs. They want to you know, kind of send a message of, you're letting go of the battle for the wagon, Will, we're going to send you with an L. They won't, just saying, but there's a chance they could put up some points. I think BYU goes 9-3. and three. Oregon is just, to me, a spot where I look at and go, if they got out of there with a win, that would be quite the win. Just from a logistics standpoint, you got a late night in Week 2 against Baylor that's going to be high emotion, high energy with a Big 12 preview. Then you flip it around and you go to Oregon. That, that, it's just, that's a tough logistics game to me. I, 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 and I feel like Oregon's defensive personnel will be really stout. I love they have some top-end NFL first-round talent-type guys on that Oregon defense. Same with Notre Dame, too. Notre Dame's got uh, studs in the trenches, and I think their quarterback's going to be a lot better than people are thinking. He's a young guy, Tyler Buckner, but I I really like his ability. I think he's someone that can kind of pick up the third and four with his feet quite a bit. And then Boise State, I just think that's another one with rivalry implications. 
And I'm going to say that's the one where maybe BYU has some head-scratching miscues and they drop a game they're not supposed to. But 9-3 and three with a chance at 10 wins in a bowl game. I think BYU can do it. I think they beat Arkansas. I think they beat Baylor. I think they go undefeated at home. I think BYU goes 6-0 and at home and then caps off the Independence Arrow with a third consecutive 10-win season potentially with a bowl game. That's my prediction for BYU football in 2022. I think Jaron's going to have an outstanding year. I think Chris Brooks will be good. There just might be a game or two where the balances just don't go their way. It's tough to go undefeated or have only one loss in a college football season, but if there is a year, this is the team that could possibly do it for BYU. And it might be the last one for the foreseeable future because there will be a transition in the Big 12. Next year, I think the... the you recalibrate expectations and you say, get to a bowl game. Because you're going to play 10 Power 5 teams. And I think after this season, you probably see a mass exodus of personnel. Kind of like what we saw in 2020. But it's going to be fun to watch. I'll tell you that much. I'm excited. I know my coverage... I'm going to try to do as much as I can for Cougar Nation and provide as much quality content as you guys and gals uh, want to consume. We'll have podcasts. We'll have online articles. We'll have video content, post-game recaps, pre-game content. I mean, you name it. We're going to have a bunch of content on kslsports.com, on my Twitter feed, at Mitch underscore Harper, the social media feeds at KSL Sports. So we'll have you covered. And also, too, on Saturday 10 a.m., radio coverage begins with an extended pregame coverage of BYU in South Florida on your legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio, but also TV. You're going to see me on TV coming up. I'll do a quick hit out after my, my little, uh, during a commercial break of my radio stuff. I'm going to go outside in front of the Ray J and do a radio hit for KSL 5 TV on the special college football preview show, previewing the local teams in 2022. So I'm excited. BYU football is back. How can you not be excited for that? I know Cougar Nation out there, you guys are all excited. So looking forward to an exciting day. I'll have more coming up on KSL News Radio and also here on KSLSports.com. And if you're in Tampa, stop by, say hi. Maybe we can go get some dinner. Let me know. Let's have a good time, Cougar fans. We'll talk more throughout the weekend. Here on the Cougar Tracks podcast, powered by kslsports.com. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.